Good evening. <clears throat> good evening. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody fellowshipping together. That's a great sign. Better, better than everybody come in and stare at each other. I've seen that happen before, too. Well, welcome tonight. We're glad you're here tonight. We're going to worship the Lord. Uh, real quick announcement. I, I know you probably heard this before, but just want to make sure everyone knows. Uh, I did get asked. We are having Wednesday night service. But next Sunday is the only day that it will change. And, we're, and so next Sunday schedule, we will have 1030 uh, worship service as usual. We won't have Sunday school or Sunday evening next week because it's Christmas. But we will have Wednesday night. So um, make sure you grab a bulletin that's in there. That way you can keep up with it. And if someone asks you, you'll, you'll, you'll have an idea. Um, and also, we're still selling calendars. Uh, there's still time. Jill asked me, how long are we going to sell them calendars? I said, well, they're good through December 31st of next year. So I said, we got plenty of time. We might have to mark them down half off in July or something. But, but again, that, that, goes, that helps our kids go to camp. So if, if, you, if you're wanting to get one, be sure and grab one. They're out there in the, in the foyer. So uh, we appreciate your help on that. Why don't we stand? Let's open with a word of prayer as we begin our service tonight. Just invite the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit to come down tonight. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence we felt this morning. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, we, we just thank you for everything that you do because we give thanks to you because you're worthy of our thanks. You're worthy of our praise, Lord. And we ask once again that you would come and move and stir tonight. Lord, let your will be done. God, lead us and direct us tonight as we worship you, as we look at your word, Lord, and as we make a decision tonight. Father, I pray that you just intervene, God. Just come and, and just take this place, Lord, and just move. Just stir within us, Lord. Stir the waters, Lord, tonight as we, as we enter in tonight. Lord, we praise you tonight. We love you and we glorify you in the name of Jesus. Here around your holy 
thank you, Father, that you go before us, God, so everywhere that we step, Lord, is holy ground. Thank you, Jesus, for your leading and your guiding. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Flowing down, flowing down. 
Thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the warning, but also for the promise. Father, you said perilous times were coming, but that you already had us. You were in control, God. Thank you, Father, for your word. Dennis, can you just play? It's okay, we're just going to stay in this moment of worship. that if there's those tonight that are already in a perilous situation, God, that you just rest on their heart, God. That peace, Father, that passes all understanding. 
Father, help us to put our faith into action, God, and to stand on your word. Father, help us draw closer to you so that we know you better. So that there's no question, God, when a circumstances arise that we know exactly where to turn, who to trust, who to talk to, where to go for comfort. God, we thank you in advance for what you're doing in this service, God, and what you're going to do outside these walls, God. feel like we need to move out of this this atmosphere right now. We're just going to continue to worship if that's okay. Father, just have your way. Just have your way in this service. Have your way in this moment right now, God. Just rest. Rest on our individual hearts, Father. pray that if there are those here tonight that need prayer, God, just lead someone to them, God. Let them know that they're not alone. Whatever the circumstance or the situation, that they don't have to go through it alone, God. Not only are you there, but there is a physical presence here also that will stand in agreement with them.
promise you there's always going to be somebody here to pray with you, to pray for you, to stand in agreement. I just don't feel like we need to leave this place, this place of worship right now. Father, we just lift up your people tonight. We lift up burdens, God. We lift up circumstances. Father, you are a miracle worker, God. We don't always see it, God, but we know that you're always working on our behalf. If it's not in the forefront, Father, it is behind, God. But you are always working on our behalf, God. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your provision, for your leading, for your healing, God, for your guidance and direction, Father.
just proclaim that he is holy he is pure he's without fault he can't not meet our needs because he's holy because that's who he is amen let's worship him just one more second can we just tell him how holy he is lord you're holy 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 is the lord god almighty lord we worship you because you're faithful god we worship you because you're true and you're just god we worship you because you are holy Lord, it's not a description, it's who you are. And Lord, because you're holy, you come and you move and you touch lives, Lord, and we thank you for that and we praise you for that tonight. God, for those that have received a touch tonight, Lord, those that, God, as, as that touch is going out of this place tonight, God, and to the, tomorrow and the rest of this week and to the rest of forever, because God, you don't stop when church ends, because you're holy, God. Lord, you go with us and you take it with us, Lord, and we praise you tonight. Lord, we love you so much. We love you so much because you're so holy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. It's hard to move on from that. Just because we're not worshiping anymore doesn't mean the Lord's not here. Doesn't mean he doesn't continue to move. And so as we take time to take up our, our Sunday evening tithes and offering, we, we do this in worship to him. We do this giving back to him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray over our offering tonight. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for your touch. We thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for your favor. And Lord, as, as you've asked us, we, we come to that time to give back to you. Lord, we do this as an act of worship and a continual worship to you, God. And we pray that you would just, God, multiply this as you do so many times to reach the lost, wherever they are, Lord, to further your kingdom. Lord, we praise you and we give you glory in the name of Jesus. our worship team tonight we were, we were talking about them earlier out in the foyer earlier how blessed we are to have a worship team 
I said, yeah, we're blessed because they show up every week and they, they're ready and they're prepared and they, you know, they lead us in worship to the Lord. And like I said this morning, I feel as we, we, we sing our praises and we lead worship to the Lord, it, boy, it catches his attention. And that's why God moves among us. That's why he touches lives. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to try to keep this brief tonight. Time is it? I got, I got some time. I, I debated on what, what to speak about tonight, and it's Christmas time, and most, most churches today are doing Christmas plays, they're doing Christmas programs, and, and, and so I didn't want to get away from Christmas, and I didn't want to do something really, you know, that, that would, uh, you know, I kind of didn't want to do Christmas, we're having our service next week, but at the same time, I, and so I really debated on it, and so, but I, I kept feeling as I was praying about it and thinking about it, the Lord was uh, kind of wanting me to share a little bit. Uh, I know you're voting tonight and we've had question and answers and, and you guys, we've been here and you guys know us, but I, I kept coming back to this and I've thought about it. Uh, the Lord has kind of laid this on my heart before in, in different situations, different circumstances. And so tonight I, I've titled my message, focus on the mission, not missions, but the mission. What is our mission? And so I want to begin with Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. And it says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. And so let's pray. Lord, I pray tonight that you would continue to move in this place. Lord, we know that you're not done. Lord, you've got more for us. And I pray as we look to your word, Lord, as we, as we focus on the mission that you've given to us, Lord, that you would continue to move. Lord, anoint these words. Let them be your words and not mine. Lord, we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. What is the church's mission? As we look at focus on the mission, what is the mission of the church? I think that Jesus gave us a mission before he left. It, we call it the Great Commission, and it's found in Matthew chapter 28, and I'll read it to you. In Matthew 28, beginning of verse 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That'll make you shout right there. Jesus is given all authority in heaven and on earth. That, where else, what other authority do you need than all authority on earth and all authority in heaven? And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our mission. Jesus gave us our mission. He came, he spent his time on earth. He had about three years of ministry time that he was here when he was about 30. And he, he gave his life. He fulfilled that, that, the, the sacrifice that had to be fulfilled. Uh, we have a new covenant with God. But before he left, he gave the disciples, and it's trickled down through the years, us now, a mission. He said, go and make disciples. Go reach the lost. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them everything that I've taught. Teach them the commands. Teach them the Word of God. That's the mission that we have. Jesus had a mission while he was on earth in Luke 19 and 10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. That was what Jesus came. He came and he gave his life to seek and to save those who were lost. And then he passed it on to us and he said, now that I've done it, you do it. 
And he even gave us a little bit of a nudge. And he says, greater things will you do than I've done in my name. That's right. that, it wasn't just, you know, follow my example. But he said, no, you go and do greater things. Yeah. It's kind of like when you pass your, your business or something along to one of your kids. And you say, I've done this. I brought it this far. Now you go and take it further. That's what Jesus was saying. He says, I've come, I've, I've gave my life. I've set the example. Now you take it and go around the world with it. You take it and you reach others. And so that's the mission that Jesus has given to the church. That's our mission. And I believe we're to continue what Jesus came to do. I believe we're to continue to seek and to save those who are lost. How many of you know somebody that's lost? Maybe a family member, maybe somebody you work with. Just somebody you know that's lost. Well, guess what? It's our job. It's our mission to seek and save those. And, and of course, we can't save them, but we can lead them to Jesus who can. Yeah. It's our job to give them the word of God. It's our job to share the gospel of Jesus with them. It's our job to teach them. And then when they come to know the Lord, when they get saved, they give their life to the Lord. It's our job to continue to instruct them. Right. And I believe that's the mission of the church. Now, my question that I run into with this is, why does the church struggle so much? Think about it. Why are we not seeing the lost being saved? Why are we not seeing more and more people coming to church? If that's the mission of the church, why are we struggling with it so much? That's a question we should ask ourselves. That's a question that the church should ask itself, not just Lone Grove Assembly of God, but the church of Jesus Christ should be asking itself, why are we seeing more and more people turn away? I preached a sermon years ago that said, why are the lines to the casino so long and the church's parking lot half empty? I didn't understand. You drive down on a Friday or Saturday night to Texas and you go by the casino down there and there's just a line of lights coming from Texas. And they're all turning in there. When you come back, if you go down there and shop and you come back in the evening, you'll get tons of traffic until you pass that exit, whatever that number is. And then it's almost clear lanes. Why are they lining up to go down there to the casino? But man, there's plenty of seating at the church. I watch football. Why are the stadiums full? 80,000 people in the football stadiums screaming, yelling, hooping. Listen, I watched that Buffalo and uh, uh, the ball game in Buffalo last night and Miami versus Buffalo. It was 27 degrees. And in the fourth quarter, it was snowing so hard you couldn't see from one side of the stadium to the other. And in about 20 minutes, the field covered with snow. And you could see footprints every time they would do a play. And by the time they got from one end of the field to the other, it had already covered up. Now, I'm not saying that I'm the smartest person, but I wasn't sitting out there in 27 degree weather while it was snowing watching football. I was in my warm, comfortable house watching. And I'm sure those guys from Miami was wishing that game was in Miami last night. They showed a comparison, 27-72. I would have rather have played that game in Miami. But why are those stadiums full on Saturday, Sunday afternoon? And the churches are not believe we got to get back to our mission. I believe the church has kind of allowed itself to get distracted from that mission. Because if God said to do it, if Jesus said to do it, he's been given all authority on heaven and earth. Why do we struggle with it? Man, that should be authority enough. Listen, if, if, uh, I'm not a wealthy man, I'm not a great businessman, but if Donald Trump gave me the authority to walk into a business in New York city and give them a message, I believe they would listen to me. Because I have the authority of Donald Trump. He is well known. He's a powerful businessman. 
But if I walk in as myself, so I believe the church has been so easily distracted that we've not taken the use of that authority that Jesus has given us to go and seek and save the lost because we've been distracted from it. I believe we lose our focus on the mission and begin to focus on other things. There's a story in Matthew chapter 14 that's a perfect example of this. You see, we find Jesus has sent the disciples, and I'm, I'm going to read part of it, but not all of it. Jesus has sent the disciples to cross the sea, and he wanted to go pray. So he went and had some alone time, some prayer time, as Jesus did a lot. It's another example that we should follow. He, he spent much time in prayer, especially when he knew something was coming that he needed to be prepared for. And so he went and prayed, and he sent the disciples in a, in a ship or a boat across the sea, and, and they were out in the middle of the sea, and all of a sudden a storm came up. And a storm on the sea meant the winds were blowing strong, and the waves were really big, and they began to toss and turn. And, and, and some of the disciples were fishermen by trade. They'd grown up on the sea, and they were afraid. And so, you know, if these guys that had grown up on this were afraid, it was, it was pretty scary. Yeah. And all of a sudden they look out, and, and they see something, and it's Jesus walking on the water. Now, why Jesus chose to walk on the water, I, I don't know. But that's a miracle. Yeah. You know, Jesus didn't need a boat. No. Isn't it interesting that when he first met Peter, it was because he needed to borrow Peter's boat to go out and float along the shore so that people could see him and hear him better because they were pressing against him. There was such a great crowd that he couldn't. They couldn't be heard uh, by everyone. And so he asked Peter, can I get in your boat and pull out from the shore a little bit so they can hear me and see me better? Why didn't he just walk out on the water then? You talk about revival. Man, that would have, that would have just killed every doubt they had. But Peter, uh, Jesus comes walking along and the disciples were afraid and Jesus called out to them. And I'm going to pick up in verse 27 of Matthew 14. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, for I'm here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. I'm going to come back to that verse in a minute. Yes, come, Jesus said. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? And when they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him, and they said, you are, you really are the Son of God. Now, I like Peter. Peter's exciting. Peter wasn't just the sit in the church and, and just, you know, go along with everything, or, you know, he, he wasn't just the, a member, or, or, you know, Peter was the guy that wanted to be up there. He wanted to be speaking. He wanted to be heard. He wanted to be seen. And sometimes he even opened his mouth when he shouldn't have, because we know Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. That would have ran me off. If I'm walking with Jesus and he's performing miracles, he's healing people, bringing people back from the dead. And I, and I say something stupid and Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. That, that's it for me. But not Peter. Peter took it as a challenge. Peter said, you know, I want more. I, I'm just, I just got to know more. I got to do more. So Peter, of all people, when they were on that boat and that, that sea was tossing and turning and it was tough and everything was not going their way, even though Jesus, with his authority, had sent them... Think about that. Jesus, in his authority, sent them. Why would they be worried? Okay, if you read a few verses before this story, Jesus had just fed 5,000. 
with just a couple pieces of fish and a couple pieces of bread. And the disciples had actually been the ones to do it. You know, most of the, the miracles, Jesus laid hands or he performed it. But in this one, he gave the opportunity for the disciples to perform this miracle because he prayed over it and blessed it. And he said, go and distribute it. And as they each took their basket, might have had one piece of fish or a piece of bread or whatever they had. You know, maybe they were each distributing it separately. They took their basket and they went to the first person and they went to the second person and maybe the third person. And they thought, I'm done. And then they looked in their basket and there was more. And they went to the fourth person and the fifth person. And probably about the sixth person, they're going, wait a minute. <laughs> Something just happened here. I don't understand this. And they went from immediately after this, Jesus says, get in that boat and go to the other side. I'll meet you over there. Was there no questioning why, you know, how they was, why would they question? Jesus just performed a miracle. I looked it up. And I looked it up online. So if you go back and you check and you read through the scripture and it's different, I apologize. I didn't take the time to do that. But I looked it up and I found a chronological list of Jesus' miracles. And this was about the 18th miracle they had performed, beginning with turning water or actually beginning with the birth of him, uh, uh, Mary's virgin birth. But through all the miracles that Jesus is recorded being a part of, this was about the 18th one. You would think after three or four, the disciples would stop questioning him. You would think after they saw God move and God perform miracles and all the wisdom and the teaching that Jesus had done, they would have said, Lord, whatever. Well, one of them did anyway. That was Peter. Because when they saw Jesus walking on the water and they, Peter of all people, he grew up in a boat. He knew the dangers of a storm. He knew exactly what they were going through and he knew exactly how dangerous and serious the situation was. And for Peter to look out in there and, and for Jesus to say, do not be afraid, it's me. And Peter instantly said, Lord, if it's you, I want to do that too. Yeah. Peter or Jesus said, come on then. I wonder if Jesus chuckled to himself a little bit and said, Peter, Peter, Peter. <clears throat> All right, Peter, come on. Let's see it. You ever feel that way when your kids want to do something? And you're like, All right, let's see it. Yeah, Julie knows it because I've asked her to sing before. I stood over there by myself while I go singing and I was behind the speakers and I'm like, That's why she don't let me sing. It sounds really good when you're out there in front of the speakers and you can hear everybody else, but when you're by yourself. But I can see Jesus going, Peter, okay, come on, Peter, step out. Peter stepped out of that boat. Now, I'd have liked to have seen that. I wish that was the first video recording in history so we could see Peter stepping out. I don't know if he climbed over the edge of the boat. I don't know if he touched the water. <laughs> he might have just jumped over. But like I said, Peter... You know, some of the disciples, they didn't spend much time at all on the water, but Peter knew exactly the danger of what would happen if you were not inside the boat. Yep. But see, Peter had a mission. Peter's mission was to follow Jesus. And I think no matter where or what the situation, Peter was going to follow Jesus. Because I've said this before, I believe Peter said, I don't care what's happening in this boat. If Jesus is out there, that's where I want to be. Why would I stay on this boat with these bunch of scaredy cats when I can go out there and walk with Jesus? And so Peter stepped out, began to walk on the water. Again, I say he began to walk on the water. It's not Jesus, but Peter. 
And as Peter's walking on the water, he's focused on his mission. His mission is to get to Jesus. His mission is to follow Jesus because Jesus is out there. And why do you worry about the storms and the waves when Jesus is out there? And so he's walking on the water, but I think he does what a lot of times we do. And a lot of times what the church does, he got distracted. He took his focus off of Jesus and he began to look over here because maybe a big wave crashed and maybe it made him jump or maybe the wind blew and it made him turn and look. But for some reason he took his focus off of Jesus and he began to look around and when he began to look around, reality hit him. Wait a minute, I can't walk on water. Wait a minute. I'm fixing to drown because those waves are tall and that wind is strong and there's no, this is not possible. And he began to focus on the waves and he began to focus on other things. And you know what happened? He began to sink and he began to fall into the waves and he began to be defeated. And he lost his mission all of a sudden. His focus wasn't on his mission, which was getting to Jesus. His focus become saving my own life. How do I save my own life? How do I do what? How do I fix myself? And I want to tell you something. He would have lost his life that night right there in the middle of that sea. They would have, I don't know if they'd have drug him out of it or not. I don't, he might've washed up on shore sometime later if it weren't for Jesus coming along and saying, Oh, Peter, it's all right, Peter. I'm still here. I, even though you lost your focus, even though you took your, I'm still here. And he reached down and he grabbed him. And he drug him up out of that water. And you know what the exciting thing about that is? Jesus didn't drag him out, throw him on his shoulder and carry him back to the boat. He said, come on, Peter, let's go to the boat. And they walked together back to the boat on the water. And the wind and the waves were still there. Because the Bible says when Jesus got on the boat, then he spoke to the wind and the waves. So Peter was able to walk back through the wind and the waves. Peter was able to accomplish his mission, which was getting with Jesus, even though he had got distracted. That's hope for us. Because some of us need something. Some of us have a mission. Some of us have somewhere we need to go. We need to be with Jesus and we get distracted from it. But Jesus is there to pick us up and pull us back up and say, it's okay. I've got you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to make sure you make it. See, I, I feel like Peter, sometimes the church loses its focus. I think sometimes we, we get our, our eyes and our focus off of what our mission is. And I think that's why the church struggles so much. And I think that's why, not, and I'm, again, I'm not just talking about Long Grove Assembly, I'm talking about any church, the church of Jesus Christ, because he left all of us that mission to reach the lost, to make disciples. And once they're saved, to disciple them and to grow them and to teach them to be spiritually mature. As Paul said, I can't feed you what I need to. I can't teach you what I need to because you're like babes in Christ. You, you, you can't handle meat and potatoes because you're still on milk. And that's our, our mission is to help people grow and to help them. How many times has the church witnessed a move of God and then weeks or months or even years later, we're back where we started. You guys have made the statement, we've seen this church full, we've seen this church moving, we've seen revivals, we've seen God move like he did a while ago. We've seen that happen time and time again. We've seen the doors have to be open every night because there was revival, because God was moving, because we were seeing God stirring. We saw people getting saved and healed and delivered. But yet, that's not where we are now. I think sometimes we get distracted by other things. And I believe if we become a church that follows the mission of Jesus Christ and we maintain focus on that, nothing can stop us. 
I don't think anything could stop us because Jesus was given all authority in heaven and all authority on earth and that authority he gives to us to fulfill that mission. I don't think anyone could stop us. See, I think every department in church, every ministry in the church has a mission. And I think we get distracted in those ministries as well. I feel like sometimes it's so easy to begin to look at other areas and begin to look around and we take our focus off of what our mission is. And, and I feel like as a church, we need to make sure that our focus continues to stay on the mission that we're given. See, we have a mission as the church, but we also, each department, each ministry in the church has a mission and a focus. And I, I think the reason some of those ministries suffer is because we've taken our eyes off that mission and we begin to focus on other things. What are some things that churches focus on that's not part of the mission? We hear this all the time. Well, the music. It's not my type of music. The carpet is not my color. I, listen, there's a church I grew up in. I don't know why they did it. But at one point, many, many years ago, they put a big, they put red, cranberry red carpet and a big white dove right here. And they put one out in the foyer. And for years, they've talked about taking that out and they never have because they can't agree what to do. It's interesting. And I've heard so many arguments about, well, we can't take that out because so-and-so put that there. And that was 40-something years ago. That person's, I don't know where they are. They may not, they're not, I don't think they're dead, but they're, they're not here. And, and there's arguments over that. And, and I see and I say, man, the mission of the church, they've lost their focus because they begin to focus on this. Man, I've seen churches tore apart because of the music that was played. They want to sing a hymnal. L listen, I love my granddad. My granddad was a preacher, and, and he pastored churches in the 50s, and I don't know when all back in the day. But when they put that thing on the wall right there, and we didn't have projectors. I'm talking when they just started putting them slides, and you had to take every song and put it on there, a little plastic slide. and then move. Boy, he had a fit. And I was, I was still young, and I said, but granddad, that makes it where you can see the song. Well, we got a songbook for that. And I said, but granddad, not every song we want to sing is in that songbook. Well, I just don't think it's right. I didn't know what to tell him. This is my granddad, you know. But I remember he had a fit when it first came out. And, and later he ended up liking it because he said, man, I can see that. I can't see these stinking songs. You know, you get to the point where you're, man, we can make that huge up there. We can make it big where you can read the words. But I mean, sometimes we get, we get off the mission. We, we take our eyes off the mission. And that's to seek and save the lost, to make disciples, to baptize in the name. Man, we got a baptistry up here. Man, that thing ought to be filled up just about every week. Dunk them. They, if it don't work, dunk them again. I've always told some teenagers, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold you under and I'm bring you up. And I'm going to say, do you feel like, do you feel different? No, nope. well, let's put you back down again. I had never done that, but... One, one kid, I put him under and they, they just panicked and they went to kicking and and I couldn't, they wouldn't stand up. So I just dunked them again and they finally put their feet down. They thought I was going to push them down forever. <laughs> Listen, I've seen this happen in churches. We get our focus taken off our mission. We begin to look around at other people. We begin to look around at other churches. We begin to get jealous. We begin to say, well, if we had such and such, if we had this and that, that's not how it works. God didn't give us that. If he did, we'd be over there. God gave us a mission. Our mission is to reach the people, to seek and to save the lost, to make disciples. 
disciples means going beyond just seeing them come down and confess their sins or, or saying a sinner's prayer. Making disciples means we stick with them and we teach them and we do what we have to do to make sure they make heaven, to make sure they don't go back. Jill, Jill works, y'all know this, Jill works with reentry through the Chickasaw Nation. When they get out of prison, they can come and they'll help them get jobs. They'll help them pay their fines. They'll help them get driver's license. They'll give them a place to stay. They'll give them a job. It's one thing to turn them loose and say, good luck. It's another thing to say, hey, come on, we'll help you. Let me help you. Let me get you where you need to be. Let me make sure that you're taken care of. They take them to the clinic. They take them wherever they need to go. They do everything they can to help. They bend over backwards. Even sometimes they don't pass their drug test and they, they still work with them to get them in rehab and they work with them. Man, that's where the church ought to be. We've taken our eyes off the mission. We've lost our focus of the mission so much that we'd rather talk about people than help them. And that can't be right. We've got to put our focus on Jesus. And just like Peter, if we'll keep our focus on Jesus, man, it don't matter what the devil does. It don't matter what he brings against us. It don't matter what he says about us. It doesn't matter what happens. We're going to walk on top of it just like Jesus. As long as we don't take our eyes off and begin to focus on it. That happens so many times we begin to focus on the things around us. <clears throat> I believe the devil tries intentionally to distract the church. I believe he sends things into the church to be a distraction and we take our focus off of our mission. Sometimes he sends people into churches to be a distraction, people to stir up trouble. The Bible says someone who causes division, stay away from them. It says to run away from them, to get away. It says it several times to stay away from those who cause division. The devil will send someone into the church to cause division just so he can take our focus off of our mission. And if we could take our focus off for just a minute, it may be years before we can get it back on there. And sometimes like Peter, we may end up drowning except the Lord come along. See, <laughs> this is what happens so many times too. And, and so many people, they get in a situation and when Peter, when the Lord reaches down and says, I'm here to help you. No, 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 no. I got this. I don't need your help. If Peter had done that, Peter would have died. But when Jesus reached down, he reached up and he grabbed Jesus' hand and Jesus pulled him up. And then again, they walked back to the boat together. We've got to not allow the enemy to come in and cause distractions, to cause division in the church. Because I believe if the church keeps its focus on the mission, I believe if our youth group keeps its focus on the mission, if our children's church puts its focus on the mission of reaching kids, I've shared the statistics with you, and, and I've got these memorized. The, the biblical research in the Barna, uh, which does statistic, biblical Christian statistics, says that by the time a child reaches 13, they've already decided what they will believe for the rest of their life. In other words, they know whether they've established whether they believe in God or not. They've established whether they believe they need Jesus to go to heaven or not. And, and any belief, not just Christian, but they've established by the time they're 13 years old. And I believe the statistic says that 83%, I think, of people who are saved were saved by the age of 14 years old. There's a 5% chance that kids between 14 and 18 will get saved and a 6% chance from 19 and up. Those are low statistics. We've got to reach our kids. We've got to put that mission in our kids and say we've got to reach the kids because that's such an important part. 83% of people who are saved today say they got saved before the age of 14. 83%. 
that's 17% that gets saved after 14 years old. And that's startling. That ought to tell us the importance of having kids ministry and reaching the kids. That ought to put our eyes focused straight on, we've got to reach kids. We've got to do everything within our power to reach kids and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Because if they don't believe in Jesus by the time they're 13, chances are they never will. And we see that. How many young adults do we see in the church today? How many 30 and 40 year olds are we seeing in the church? They're not coming in in groves. And it's a low chance that they will. We've got to reach them. Our children's church has got to focus on the mission of reaching kids. Rural Rangers and Missionettes or, or Girls Ministries as they call it now. We've got to focus on, we've got to establish that focus in them. The mission of reaching young boys and young women and teaching them how to be godly men and godly women. We've got to focus on young adults because only, it may be a 17% a chance, but man, I'll take them odds. If we can reach 17, it, it, let's increase that. The only way that'll change is by us focusing on that mission and reaching them, sharing the gospel of Jesus with them. One of the things I've seen become popular in the past few years is, is, I, is I call it a trend. I hope it becomes more than a trend and becomes a staple is churches are beginning and they have for the past 10 or so years to, to come up with a, a slogan. I don't know what else to call it, but a slogan. And, and you'll see them on, on their, you know, the church uh, they'll put the church name and then they'll have their slogan. And one of them that I've seen <clears throat> is a, a friend of mine's church and they say their slogan is loving God, loving people. And it can't get any more simple than that. Right. Loving God, loving people. And in this church, before they do anything, they ask the question, does it love God? Does it love people? If it doesn't, they don't do it. If you want to come in and do something in that church, they ask you, does it love God? Does it love people? because that's our mission. Our mission is to love God enough we want to share his son with them and we love people enough that we want them to be saved. If it doesn't do that, we're not gonna waste time and money and effort on it. Now I know they have to take care of church business, but I'm talking about that's their mission and they stay focused on it. And the thing about the slogan is they put it everywhere so they don't forget about it. They don't forget that their job is to love God and to love people. If we do that, we can accomplish our mission of reaching the lost. And I love that question they asked. Does it love God? Does it love people? We're going to have an Easter egg hunt. Does it, are we loving God and loving people through that? Yeah. Or are we just doing it for the fun of it? Are we just doing it so our kids will have something? And if we're not loving God and sharing the gospel of Jesus with them, we're not loving people enough to, to care about them. Right. You know, if we have a picnic, are we loving God? Are we loving people through it? If we have any event that we have, are we loving God? Are we loving people? I love that. I'm not saying we need to adopt that slogan, but I think we need to adopt that attitude. Yeah. Are we doing this because we're loving God and we're loving people, or are we just doing it just to do it? Are we putting a big dove in the floor? <laughs> that was back in the big TBN days, and that's, you know, the churches, they, they, we're modeling after TBN. The, the cranberry red got me more than the dove did. That was, I guess you could spill grape juice on it and nobody would know. But I pray that this church stays steadfast focused on the mission, the mission of reaching the lost and discipling them. That's always been my goal is to, you know, there, there's a hundred different ways we can do that. And some people say, well, why do you do this? Well, because that's my way of reaching that kid. If it reaches one teenager, I, I'm willing to do it. Yeah. 
if it'll reach one kid and they'll get to know Jesus and they'll learn that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to get to the Father, let's do it. Because it's loving God and it's loving people. Because it's focused on the mission. So many times we take our focus off. We begin to focus on other things. I've seen, I've seen ministers do this. They have a ministry. They're supposed, to be, they're, they're supposed to be growing and they're supposed to be working. But they begin to take their eyes off and focus on someone else's ministry. And their own ministry begins to suffer. And that's why I said we can't focus on other churches. Listen, I, I'd love to have the attendance that the other church in town has. They have a great attendance with youth. But I can't focus on them. I can only focus on reaching the ones that come here. I can only focus on going out and reaching more to come here. It would be, I mean, if we get tied up in a challenge between churches of seeing who can bring the most people in, then we're not focusing on our mission of reaching the lost. We're focusing on filling the pews. We have to be careful that we don't begin to focus on others. Uh, in youth, a week or two ago, we, we read the passage that says, don't compare yourself to others for you're responsible for what you do. God give us a mission. Our mission is to reach the lost. The text I began with tonight, I'm going to close with. It says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. I believe that should be our goal. It's what our goal is as a church, to look straight ahead and fix our eyes on. If Peter had done that, if Peter had just looked straight ahead and fixed his eyes solely on Jesus and not, not cared what was going on around him, he would have walked on that water. And listen, I get excited when I think about this because imagine when Peter got back in the boat. Matthew recorded this. I looked to see. It's not in Mark, Luke, and John. You know why? Because I'm sure when Peter got in the boat, he said, what's the matter? What are you guys scared of? Look what I did. I'm surprised Matthew even recorded it. You know, Mark was like, you know, Jesus walked on the water, but he didn't mention nothing about Peter. He didn't want to be, you know, I, I was too scared to walk on the water. But can you imagine Peter? We know Peter's character. Peter was not the quiet guy to humbly admit, yes, the Lord blessed me and the Lord. No, Peter was like, did y'all see what I did? Did you see me walk on that water? Man, I think a shark tried to bite my foot. I had to shake him. You know, I don't, there ain't no sharks in the... I mean, think about it. Peter got back to the boat. He was happy. And the rest of the disciples were, wow. Not at what Peter did. You know, they didn't care about Peter. They was like, wow, you truly are the son of God. 18 miracles later, they finally decide Jesus is the son of God. Took Peter getting out walking on the water. But I mean, that's exciting. And here's the thing, each one of the miracles that we see Jesus perform, we see great celebration and people saved afterwards. Even I talked about last week, the miracle of uh, 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 Peter and John healing the lame man. And the, he went into the temple during the time of prayer and was shouting and rejoicing. And the people said, wait a minute, wasn't that guy out there? Peter and John didn't get distracted by the fact they didn't have no money or they didn't get distracted by the fact they were supposed to be going to prayer or the worries that they had right after Jesus had left in the day of Pentecost and the, the, the high priest was upset with them because they were starting a new church and they were rivals and they were bringing new converts and the high priest was trying to find the new Christians and the leaders and, and Saul was out there trying to kill them and destroy them. And, and they didn't get all worried about that. They kept their focus on what Jesus said to go out, reach the lost, make disciples, heal the sick, tend to the needs. And because that, they healed that man or they prayed or Jesus healed him, but they were used to healing. And he went in there and the Bible says a couple more thousand people came to know the Lord. Yeah. 
Man, imagine if we could stay focused and we begin to see some miracles. We begin to see God move. How many people would come to know? If you've ever looked at the Welsh revival, it didn't begin by having a big name speaker and a big name man, a band come in. This is in over in England and we're in that area, Welsh revival. Uh, I forget the years. It began because a man came to church one Sunday night and he says, well, I would like to talk to you about what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. And they, after the service was over, a few of them, and they were mostly young people, stuck around and said, we want to hear about this Holy Spirit. He probably called it Holy Ghost. They said, we want to hear about this Holy Ghost and what he's doing. And he began to share with them, and the Holy Spirit fell on that place, and they were up half the night. People in town, they saw the windows in the top of the building because that's how they, that's how they cooled the place. And they saw the lights on in the church late. And the next day, they were asking people, what's going on at the church? And they said, oh, you got to come. You got to come see what God's doing. And the next day, the place was full. And before long, the entire country was in revival. Simply because somebody said, I, I, I need more of Jesus. I, I've got my focus on the mission that he's given me. And it may be late at night, but I'm not going to take my focus off. It may be uncomfortable because I'm sure the preacher of that church, whatever his title was, said, I'm going to go on home, lock it up when you get done. Because the, Bible, the, the, the history says it was just a bunch of young people that stuck around. They were excited. And the regular chokes folks that had taken their eyes off the mission, their focus off the mission, they went on about their business. They come back the next night because they want to know what was going on. Yeah. But God moved through that. And I believe God can move if we keep our focus on the mission that he's given us and not allow distraction to come in, not allow the enemy to come in and distract us and take our minds off, take our focus off. Because that's happened too much. It's happened too many times. We keep our focus on the Lord. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you tonight, Lord. Lord, we know the mission that you've given us, the mission to reach the lost, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to make disciples of them, <clears throat> to teach them, Lord, all that you've taught us. And Lord, even to lead them into the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that brings to remembrance your teaching. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us understand your teaching. It's the Holy Spirit that intervenes to God the Father through that prayer language. Lord, as we, as we begin to focus on that mission, God, I believe you're going to do great things. You always have. Throughout history, Lord, you always have when we focus on the mission and we put aside other things. And Lord, I believe if we can do that, you're going to do great things in Lone Grove, Oklahoma, through Lone Grove Assembly, Lord. But Lord, we can't get distracted. We can't let the enemy come in and distract us with little things or, or other things that God would take our focus off of you. Like, like Peter, we can't get our eyes on the waves and the storm, no matter how great it is. Because if we just continue to look at you, you're standing in the middle of it. And Lord, what better place to be than right in the middle of the storm with you than to be on the shore? Because where you are, Lord, there's peace. Where you are is that authority, is that power that you've given us. And Lord, I pray tonight that be our desire, Lord. I pray that be our desire to put our eyes on you, to keep our focus on the mission that you've given us. And Lord, we'd see great miracles happen. We'd see great and mighty things happen. And Lord, we'd receive blessings in the place as well. Because as Peter received that blessing of being able to walk on the water and to be a part of what you were doing, Lord, we know that you'll lift us up as we're a part of what you're doing. And you'll bless us as well, Lord. We love you tonight, Lord. I thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. I give you glory for what you're doing, Lord. And I pray that your will be done. 
God, I pray for your direction tonight, Lord, that you would be the leader of this and not us. Lord, that we would keep our eyes focused on you tonight and not our own desires. Lord, not what we want, but what you want, Lord. As Jesus said, as he cried in that, that the Garden of Gethsemane, as he prayed earnestly, Lord, he said, thy will, not mine. Lord, your will be done. And we love you tonight. We thank you, Father. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not sure who I need to turn it over at this point.